Welcome to the Bible Professor Podcast Show. Here is your host, the Reverend Dr. Mal Winstead. How to live Christianly in the 21st century or how to live as a Christian when your culture is going off the rails on a crazy train. I'm telling you, 2 Timothy 3, and by the way, we're not going to look at that classic passage, verse 16, that talks about the inerrancy of Scripture, maybe for another episode, but I want to look at the verses before that, 2 Timothy 3, and um, it is so relevant to culture. It was for Paul in the first century when he wrote this, and it is 2,000 years later. 2 Timothy 3, how to live Christianly in the 21st century. Let's read 2 Timothy 3, but realize this that in the last days, difficult times will come for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these, for among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins led on by various impulses always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jamrus opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men of depraved mind, rejecting in regard to the faith, but they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus's and Jamrus's folly was also. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions and suffering such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord rescued me. And I, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will, will suffer persecution uh, or will be persecuted. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And then he goes on to talk about from childhood, you've known those sacred writings and whom you, whom you uh, learned them from. Okay, we want, to, we want to talk about three uh, simple commands here um, uh, in, the, in this, three simple commands. This is from an old book on the preacher and his preaching by Alfred Gibbs. Interesting little section here. He, uh, pulled out the thesaurus here, I guess. But he says, in promulgating your esoteric cogitations or articulating your superficial sentimentalities and amicable philosophical or psychological observations, Beware of platitudinous ponderosity. Let your conversational communications possess a clarified conciseness, a compact comprehensibleness, coalescent consistency, and a concatenated cogency. Eschew uh, conglomerations of flatulent, flatulent garrulity, jejune babblement, and asinine affectations. Let your extemporaneous descantings and unpremeditated expatiations have intelligibility and vivacious vivacity, voracious vivacity without rhodomontade or rosonical bombast. In other words, talk plainly, briefly, and don't use big words. Well, the Apostle Paul uh, really um, practiced that here. He gave three simple commands, and that's what I want to look at. Uh, not so much all the ins and outs of the kinds of attitudes of uh, the people uh, the Apostle mentions here, although we'll run through that. I really want to look at the commands. And uh, actually, uh, keeping to this notion of keeping it simple and using simple words, put on your thinking cap, and I've spelled that here with K-A-P, things to know, verse one, types of people to avoid, verse five, and for you as a Christian to persist or continue, 
uh, in the things of the Lord, uh, verse 14. So depending on what modern Bible version you use, it, it might say realize, avoid, persist. So uh, you're, uh, uh, you could uh, give the acronym RAP or put on your thinking RAC, realize, avoid, continue. Okay. Uh, but here I've just said, put on your thinking cap, uh, cap spell with the K, no, avoid, persist. These three commands are found right here in the text. They just come straight out of uh, the original uh, here. Genoske, apatrepu, and mene. There are three commands, three imperative mood verbs. And so the outline is strictly biblical. Uh, and that's always a good thing. There are things to know. There are people to avoid and perseverance is called for. There are things to know, but realize or know this. Now, you you may be, as a Bible student, uh, familiar with uh, the word gnosko and how we uh, translate that uh, uh, know. It is uh, in the second person plural imperative here. Translated realize in the uh, uh, New American says there's things we need to know. Okay. So we're going to get to that, but we're going to assess the type of culture he was dealing with as we go through this, the type of culture we're dealing with. There's not a lot of difference, um, just uh, a tad bit of difference in how, how um, sin, evil, and so forth uh, crimes are manifested. But uh, essentially, at their heart, it's the same sins, crimes, uh, evil, okay? Uh, abortion, pornography, same-sex marriage, evolution, uh, uh, government giveaways, school and mall shootings, bombings, beheadings, justice turned on its head, lack of allegiance within the church, hypocrisy, politics, our energies devoted to other things, lack of Christian values passed on our children, lack of concern for the unsafe. So I just mentioned several things that are abused, practiced, or in some cases abused by the culture and the church. So Everybody's culpable and uh, guilty here. And so the Christian, those who have turned to Jesus Christ for deliverance, for salvation, for forgiveness of sins, for identity, purpose, love, hope, peace, these things the risen Jesus Christ offers uh, you men and women. Uh, for those who have received him, trusted in him, here's what he offers. Look, uh, he's concerned with what we know. So first of all, in the thinking cap, the K is for the English word know or realize this. No. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that spirit of God dwells in you? First Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? First Corinthians 6.9. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Uh, now, Interesting, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6, 7, he actually is calling up in his mind and to his readers uh, the Jewish uh, uh, feast of Passover and unleavened bread, which were connected together. And uh, he talks about the yeast. Leaven is yeast. It's an influence, whether for good or bad. Uh, putting in a little bit of yeast, you know, in a, in a pile of dough will make the whole thing swell up, you know, uh, into bread, like if you're making that. But same thing with uh, sin in your life uh, and in your church, your family, com community. Uh, just a little bit of uh, wrong, ungodly, uh, unbiblical influence can can grow, and uh, you probably don't want that. So you have to practice discernment. You have to be on your spiritual P's and Q's. You have to be careful on how you 
uh, rear your children as well, and what you let in uh, to your life, the influences in your life and home, okay? Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You need to know that. There are things we need to know. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? First Corinthians 6, 2, right? Forget this, uh, um, this relativistic culture we live in, uh, this pluralistic culture we live in, uh, and this uh, anything goes culture we live in where they like to say, you know, the Matthew 7 thing, judge not, lest you be not judged. You're right. But they don't go on to the next uh, explanation Jesus gives, actually, about how to judge. Uh, saints are going, to, are going to judge the world. We're commanded to judge things. Not only Matthew 7, but uh, 2 Corinthians 13. Um, uh, 2 uh, Corinthians 13. Uh, verse five, test yourselves, right? Uh, examine yourselves, test and prove all things. First um, Thessalonians 5, 21. So we're actually commanded uh, to, to uh, judge, to practice some uh, uh, discretion. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? First Corinthians 6, uh, 15. That has implication for moral issues there. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? First Cor 6, 19. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win? First Corinthians 9, 24. That section there where he uses this athletic imagery that the Corinthians would definitely uh be able to uh, grasp. Uh, so he's communicating well uh, with them. And he's talking there about our self-discipline as a Christian. These are things you uh, need to know. I would not, I, I would have, you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Galatians 1.11. Okay. The form of the gospel Paul got from Peter and James and the other super apostles, uh, the, 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 the first generation guys there, if you will. Um, um, uh, the form he got from them, but the essence of the gospel, he says he received from a, rev as a uh, from, received from a res revelation of Jesus Christ himself. I want you to, you need to know that the gospel that Paul shared, the gospel of the righteousness of Christ imputed to be the believer, put it into the person's asset column, uh, the uh, uh, substitutionary death of Christ on behalf of every, every believer who ever believe every person who ever believe um, uh, and it's by faith alone and not by works okay uh, faith is the cause of salvation works are the results of salvation and results are not causative in any way shape or form uh, you need to know this right um, you adulteresses do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God James says this in James 4 4. Uh, spiritual adulteresses, he says, you know, be careful about that idolatry and where your allegiance is. These are things you need to know. Okay. Um, so uh, we, we need to be careful about this. Paul says, know this, these difficult times are going to come. Right. They're going to come. That was at a moment future uh, past that. But look, the future is now uh, really uh, because uh, he, he says, Difficult times will come. We see that as a future tense. But when you get to uh, when he describes the people within that were seeping into the churches uh, there in uh, uh, in in Second Timothy, as he's warning Timothy about these things, verses three and four describe how these people currently are. In verse five, 
gives the command to avoid these. So the future is now, if you will. Okay. Um, you need to know what's happening out there in the culture, Paul says. Why? Because we are out there. Okay. We live in this culture. And at any time throughout history, wherever a Christian finds him or herself living, they need to understand that they are living in two worlds as a Christian, uh, right? As part of Christ's kingdom, as a follower of Christ. But you're, you're in this world as well, the city of man, right? And uh, you need to uh, be careful. Uh, there are some things you need to know. First of all, we are out there, right? The people who know their God will be strong and take action. Daniel eleven thirty two. Part of the events of the last day are doctrinal defection and moral depravity, okay? Uh, and both of those are going on. You find both of those in the Corinthian correspondence I referred to a moment ago here in the pastoral correspondence, 1 2 Timothy Titus, doctrinal defection and moral depravity. As a matter of fact, um, and this is uh, pretty uh, interesting, methinks, as a matter of fact, Paul structures most, uh, if not all of his letters, uh, just this way, dealing with the doctrine uh, in the first part of the letters, and then uh, primarily uh, how that plays out, what that looks like in the latter uh, parts of his uh, letters. So moral depravity, doctrinal defection, and uh, moral depravity. All right, there's some things we need to know. Uh, you need to know this. You need to know this. Then there are what Kent Hughes in his uh, commentary calls some tragic perversions of love. Tragic perversions of love. Now, interestingly, in uh, the interestingly in the Greek text, um, these are compounds with the word love. One of the Greek words for love, phileo, uh, that um, stem is used. Philautoi, philarguroi. Um, lovers of self, uh, lovers of money. As I said, Hughes calls these tragic perversions of love. And then Paul uses an awful privative on some of these words. Apathes, akarastoi, anasioi, astorgoi. Okay, and these are get translated as ungrateful, unholy, unloving, uh, and, and these sorts of uh, things. So it's it's really cool how he lined it, lined it out here with the text with the um, prefix of the phileo in a couple of these and then the uh, alpha privative on a, a couple of these. So there's a, a rhyme and rhythm to it, um, if you will. And then lovers of pleasure at the end of verse four, instead of, yeah, philedonos, uh, loving pleasure, malon a philotheoi. Instead of being a lover of God, so there's a, a phileo and theos uh, in a compound word. They're lovers of pleasure instead of lovers of God. There's people that are abusive or blasphemers, abusive to parents, um, or blasphemous. I'm sorry. Yeah, it has a, a broad sense. It can include scoffing at God. Uh, but it includes other uh, uh, vices as well. Abusive, disobedient to parents, a bad attitude toward parents. Seen in the extreme, actually, in 1 Timothy 1, 
uh, 9, realizing the fact that law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Okay, so a bad attitude uh, toward uh, parents, ungrateful, unholy. That pair may not seem to go together well, ungrateful and un unholy, until you remember the vice list in Romans uh, 1, verses 29 to 31, right? Paul had, uh, said, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor give thanks to him. To withhold thanks from God is a refusal to acknowledge that he exists or at the least to refuse to acknowledge that our life and all we have come from him. So uh, we need to consider that. All right. And in fact, uh, Romans 128 uh, goes this way, reads this way. Start at verse 28. Uh, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God and those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. It's a total disregard for decent behavior that is fundamental to society. That's what he's talking about there in that downward spiral where God gave them over. God gave them over. God gave them over three times uh, for those who uh, suppress the truth about God. They're, they don't love him. They hate him. They're not only, as Frank Turek has said recently, not only atheists, but anti-theists. They hate God. They don't love him. They're not about to give him credit or thanks for anything. All right, and then you have the word uh, unforgiving here in 2 uh, Timothy uh, 3. This word unforgiving or irreconcilable uh, conveys the attitude of a person who does not respond to a proper uh, proposal for a truce. Such, person, such a person refuses to be reconciled or placated. And then there are those who are slanderous, slanderous. Verse three in your NASB says malicious gossips, uh, malicious talkers in the NIV. Then there are those without self-control. Matters of moral failure uh, when it's found in a vice section like this. Brutal uh, is a good translation for the next word. It means untamed, savage, not lovers of good. Okay. Um, that is, they hate good. Treacherous conveys the idea of betrayal. They're rash or reckless. Attitude of a crowd out of control. They're conceited. So arrogant as to be practically demented, the Loanitis Semantics Domains Analysis uh, Lexicon says. To be so arrogant as to be practically uh, demented, this word conceited. And then lovers of pleasure uh, in, the, in the middle of verse four, rather than lovers of God. Um, it, actually, though, it goes on to say in verse five, holding to a form of godliness. 
One writer says this, the amazing thing is that these people consumed by their own vices have a form of godliness. Okay. They have the externals down pat. That is, this does not necessarily mean that they are in the church, but the fact that Paul counsels Timothy to have nothing to do with them may indicate that they are in the church. And notice how Paul makes it clear in first Corinthians five, nine through 11, that believers are not to um, disassociate themselves from immoral people in the world, but from the immoral people in the church. Now that is an interesting scenario and maybe a, a main point I want to get across to you uh, in this uh, Bible study. First uh, Corinthians five verses nine through 11, nine through 11. Matter of fact, Let's just have a look at it. First Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or with the idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world, right? You live around those people. You work around those people. You get your livelihood from those people. You live around those people. That's your mission field right out in the public square. But actually, verse 11, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Okay? And that uh, leads to uh, the next point here. Verse 5, there's our next command. Avoid such people as these. Okay, that's the command uh, by the apostle here. If you have these people in your church family or even around you at work, avoid. That's the verb, the imperative verb. Uh, if you have these people in your circles that you hang out with or in your church, um, you know, people in your circles and they claim to be Christians. And people know that, hey, they they go to your church or they're close friends with you and you're a Christian, but they know that those people are out here being absolute idolaters, though they may not know that word or, or think in those terms. They know that they are not living according to tra what are traditionally considered Christian principles. The apostle says you must avoid these people, these kinds of people, avoid them. Avoid them. Okay. Avoid such men as these. That is a command. So how should I live in my current society? Wherever I find myself, whether it be Western culture, or if you're in the East or on some other continent, listen to this podcast. How should I live in my current society? I need to know what kind of world I'm living in. Notice all those commands from all those know this passages, mostly in 1 Corinthians, uh, but also here in 2 Timothy 3. There are things you need to know. I need to know what kind of world I'm living in. It's one that is hostile, not friendly toward Christ and my Christian values. And secondly, I need to avoid those of our number that claim to be Christians who are behaving as a pattern of life in an ungodly manner. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. The church is to be pure so that her witness and power uh, in witnessing is strong. Okay. 
and avoid these people because in verse six, nine, verses six through nine, for among them are those who enter in the households, blah, 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 always uh, learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. He mentions Janice and Jambres. He says, look, they have a form of godliness. They're able to seduce people to follow their false teaching. And a lot of people who are able to be seduced are, are, are those who sit in their house all day when perhaps they should be busy, whether at the house or somewhere else, busy doing something for their family, their society, their job, their neighbor, helping others, right? And, and it is true for any of us, any Christians, actually, well, any people, you know, uh, one uh, among several ways to keep away from temptations, especially temptations to follow false teachings, is to keep yourself busy doing something good, doing something for others, maybe doing something for help your local local church. Imagine that. Right. Um, and keep your mind on Christian teaching, uh, Bible reading, Christian radio, whatever, Internet podcast, uh, uh, hearing the Bible read audio Bible. Nothing better than that. Absolutely nothing better to continue to feed your mind, uh, uh, the truths of Scripture and good, uh, solid uh, Bible teaching. It's out there. There's not a lot of it, but it's out there to be found. Uh, so you you want to make sure you're not one of those who are who's easily uh, able to be swayed by false teaching. These false teachers charm people. Uh, people who are more receptive and open to anything that comes down the pipe. False teachers are underhanded. They get into people's homes and into their thinking and affect their worldviews. Need modern examples of this type of thing? Secular feminism, Mormonism, JWs, the homosexual agenda, entertainment from these absolute garbagey daytime talk shows, the soaps, tolerance, teaching, uh, there's nothing more ridiculous on the planet than uh, people who sit around and talk about we need to be seriously tolerant toward people of other cultures or ideologies. But the very moment you mention a Christian value, they are immediately intolerant to your Christian values. There's nothing more sickening and hypocritical than that nonsense. People absolutely in our day do not understand the word tolerance. If everybody is going to agree on some value or some perspective or some ideology, if everybody in the room is going to agree on the same thing, there's no room for tolerance. There's no need for tolerance. You're not tolerating anything. You already all agree. Tolerating is putting up with something you disagree with. But anyway, another talk for another day. So he says to avoid these. The command here in verse uh, five is avoid such men as these. Not of those in the world, but those in the church that are living disobediently. That's why church discipline is so crucial to the life of the church. Verse seven. Uh, all, always learning and able, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, just to comment here, some today, even in the church, are put off 
by the gospel because it's too guilt-producing, they say. Uh, but Jesus said it's the gospel truth that will set you free. Look, people feel guilty about whatever. People feel guilty because they are guilty. And Christ came to die on the cross, offer himself as a substitute in your place because he loves you very much. He can provide you with peace, hope, forgiveness, and a, a new identity as a follower of Christ and a member of his forever family. There's no need for the guilt and shame. Trade those in for the cross and resurrection of Christ, as some Christian songs mention. Verse 9 says their folly will be obvious to all. This is Paul in, Paul's encouragement to Timothy at the end of this bleak description of, of the opponents. Discernment will be needed, and the Spirit of God has given the church through the Apostle Paul numerous references to doctrinal, spiritual, and moral discernment. And dig into the context of the following passage of Scripture, but listen to these following re references about this issue. Solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. evil Hebrew five, uh, Hebrews 5. Philippians 1.9, this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. If you're going to approve things that are excellent in this world, that means there must be some things that are not excellent, uh, right? Uh, and um, we all need then to be growing in our uh, spiritual discernment and our knowledge of uh, God, culture, ourselves the Bible. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, Ephesians 4.14. 1 Thess 5.21, I mentioned earlier, but examine everything carefully. 1 Tim 1, uh, 2.4, 1 Tim 2.4, uh, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Timothy 2, 15. So being discerning so that we're able to avoid those that claim to be Christians but are following just straight out false teaching. And there is a lot of false teaching within Christendom today. Uh, there's a lot of false teaching in, the, in Protestantism Protestantism, a lot of false teaching. There's a lot of relational preaching today. Um, a lot of mo motivational preaching, a lot of preaching that downplays the core doctrines of Christianity, that Jesus is God, the sovereignty of God, the atonement, substitutionary death and atonement, provided by Christ, the necessity that you believe in Christ. I mean, these are the core, absolute core uh, doctrines of Christianity, and they're being downplayed and uh, not even taught or even mentioned in a lot of uh, so-called churches, or some of them don't even use the word church now, just whatever faith community, you know, they gather together on Sunday morning around America, for sure, at least I know. 
find yourself a Bible teaching church, you know, might just have 20 members in it. But if they're teaching the Bible, that's what you need to be fed, right? The good, nutritious food. Uh, but anyway, again, another topic, another day. Verse 10, you followed. Now you followed. That's past tense. You followed my teaching, Paul tells Timothy. Um, his conduct, you followed the fact that he had persevered through all his persecutions, the beatings he had suffered, the abuse he had suffered, uh, the lack of whatever he had suffered. Paul's able to hold himself up as a model here. Paul was mentoring Timothy. Mentoring, by the way, is a biblical concept. And so, look, liberalism, theological liberalism, which is part and parcel of all the um, other um, ailments of the American church I mentioned a few months, moments ago, liberalism and half-heartedness is not going to work uh, when God purges the church, okay? True believers are not going to follow Paul's teaching conduct, uh, faith, patience, love, perseverance, and they're sure as the world not going to follow Christ um, uh, when persecution comes because they don't have any strong teachings to hang on to. There's nothing to anchor them to Christ. Okay. So Paul shows what his values are, my way of life, my conduct. What are your values, by the way? Uh, can, uh, Christian, can you name your values? Can you list them? Why do you hold to your values? Are your values biblical? These are questions we probably ought to ask ourselves. So there are some things we need to know. There are some things we need to know and some kinds of people we need to avoid. And thirdly and uh, finally, thirdly and finally, uh, we are commanded to continue. And this is this little um, imperative uh, mene from the verb meno, uh, continue or persevere. Uh, or however your English Bible says that. Meno is used throughout the New Testament. It's translated variously, even within a single uh, English uh, version, as uh, continue, remain, persist, keep on. John 15 is a classic example where Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. I like to translate it in that passage of the vine and branches metaphor with Jesus and uh, followers, uh, we that are followers of uh, Jesus, uh, we are to abide in Christ. I like to translate it, hang out with, hang out with Jesus Christ, right? Stay close to him, his uh, teaching, uh, his uh, people. Stay close to him, meditate on his word, live in Christ consciousness, uh, if you will, knowing that he's always with you, in you, right? Uh, where is uh, Christ today? You know, I like to use, as some have said before, all the prepositions in English. You know, this is God's relationship to you. He's in you. He's above you. He's underneath you. He's beside you. He's alongside you. He's behind you. He's in front of you. He's around you. Right. All these apply. And there's biblical text and verse and truth for every one of them, actually, and more. Uh, Christ uh, said, as a matter of fact, in the Great Commission, his last words were in there, and lo, or behold, I, hey, look look at this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Uh, so you are to continue is uh, the command here. You are to continue uh, in the things you have learned and become uh, convinced of, actually. Well, look, you're not going to be convinced 
you're not going to be convinced of any truths of Scripture if you haven't imbibed them well, learned them well, studied them hard, listened to the truths preached and taught, studied them out for yourself, and and been in church where they're preached and taught on a consistent basis, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out. You're not going to be convicted of anything or convinced of anything. And so you definitely will not be able to, you won't have the oomph to continue in uh, the truths about Jesus Christ. All right. So there are things we need to know in our culture. There are people in the church. We need to avoid people in the church, any Christian out there, whether it's in your own local church or not. Kinds of people we need to avoid, and we need to continue in the things you have learned about the Lord that come from the scripture, of course. Second Timothy 4 Verse three and four, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in the course of their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Uh, verse one of First uh, Timothy four, First Timothy four, one. But the spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith. They're going to fall away. But you're to continue. This is important. It's important that we urge each other to continue. Listen to the apostle. Uh, listen to what Luke says in Acts 14, 22. Strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith. Now, let me tell you what was going on in Acts 13, 14, 15, 16. Paul, Silas, Barnabas, these guys had gone out on missionary endeavors to plant the Christian church, sow the seed of the gospel, plant churches, tell them about the hope of the resurrected Christ and how they're turned from their sins, lay down their idols, lay down their arms against God, if you will, and uh, believe on the truth claims of the gospel uh, in scripture. And, um, and then, but then Paul says at one point, let's go back through these towns and strengthen the disciples, strengthen these new believers, right? He didn't want spiritual stillborn. They needed to grow. Christians need to grow. Right, First Peter two two, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. You need to long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So let's go back through and strengthen the disciples. Acts fourteen twenty two, strengthen the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith, and by telling them, listen, listen, it is necessary to pass through many troubles on our way into the kingdom of God. That's the Christian standard Bible. It is necessary to pass through many troubles on our way. Okay. Now that truth is going to butt heads with the modern prosperity gospel taught by a lot of your teachers out there, preachers out there on uh, Christian television. Um, so you need to be careful. It is necessary to pass through many troubles on our way to the kingdom. God doesn't promise us a rose garden here. Matter of fact, Paul and Jesus promised we will be suffer tribulation and persecution. That's a promise from the scripture. Now, you listen to a health, wealth, prosperity preacher, they're going to promise you a rose garden and a lot more if you send in that money and that, you know, they'll send you that prayer cloth and other promises they're going to give you. And you're going to be left disillusioned sooner or later. I'm warning you. You're going to be left disillusioned. God does not promise you a rose garden. He promises you tribulation and persecutions. 
and he promises you his grace and his Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he promises you his grace and strength to get through those hard times. That's the gospel, the biblical gospel, dear listener. Here, Acts 11, 23, when he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with a firm resolve of heart. Again, uh, the CSB version there, to remain true. Philippians 1, 27, uh, I hope to come and hear that you uh, see that you are standing firm in one spirit. Okay, persist, persist, put on your thinking cap. There are things to know in this culture. There are types of people to avoid within Christendom. People claim to be Christian, and uh, we need to stand firm in the gospel, persist in your walk with the Lord, okay? So that we might be able to say with the Apostle Paul later in the next, the last chapter, inspired words that he wrote, we might be able to say with him, uh, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the faith. I, I, I finished the course. I've kept the faith. In the future, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Because your friends, your neighbors, and this world needs your light. So how now shall we live? With knowledge, avoidance, perseverance. Three commands in 2 Timothy 3. There are things to know, people to avoid, and perseverance is called for. I hope this uh, lesson on 2 Timothy 3 has been a blessing to you. Uh, please consider uh, subscribing uh, to uh, my YouTube channel at The Bible Professor. Okay, thank you. Be blessed. I am The Bible Professor.